Keys with it, man! Whoa! He's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. Rubbed his bitchy nose. <laughs> yeah. What about to McCullum? Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. I might try and slide one in there. Fast. Yeah! Well, you yeah, called it. Let's run out. Let's run out. Let's come on, Sam. Yeah, no, he's going. Sometimes. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't you? Hello, and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. For this week's edition of the episode, we'll be covering Supercoach BBL rounds 11 and 12. Uh, joining me to discuss this is a bloke who is right in the hunt for the top gong. He's dropped down a little bit since his last appearance on the on the SC Favourite Podcast, uh, but it is Michael Fisher. Fish sitting in 37th overall. How are the nerves, mate? Yeah, fine. Thanks, Timmy. I probably got a bit overexcited when I got up to the, the, uh, the teens and... Uh, Rose to 14th at my highest and then miss out on McDermott as his skipper points, although I did, did have him for that week. So I've been clawing back since then. So, yeah, really just um, still enjoying the cricket and thankful that we can still watch it, I guess, given everything that's going on. That's it, mate. And we are... Bit more than midway through round ten. How are you tracking this week? I know we've still got two sides of the on the double game week to come, so there's a bit to play out. But uh, looking like green or red arrows for you at the end of lockout. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably look like a small green. I had VC on Sam's, which was a, a big decision. Although a lot of people probably had C McDermott as well. So I managed to get one of those big points and hopefully Sam's can deliver again this afternoon. And I've had pretty well all the other key players as well, had Howells for his big score, uh, probably enough hurricanes. So, yeah, pending how things go this afternoon, expecting uh, hopefully a small rise. Very good, mate. Yeah, that was. Uh, I know I had I played it pretty conservatively this week with the skips in terms of VC Daniel Sams, who was the obvious loop after his monstrous innings uh, into what would have been C McDermott. And Sams went nuts. Everyone who looped him were just sitting the arm. Please go low, Benny, and he went nuts as well. So whichever way you went, unless you went outside of those two and got a little bit Larry, uh, you're probably pretty happy with where you're at. But again, those two play today, so it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out. Also joining us for today's show is a man who's just showing his absolute Supercoach class. That is Tomo Aiken, who is the Supercoach 2019-20 champion. Tomo in 197th overall. How are you tracking, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. Hello, boys. Um, I'm moving up the last few rounds. is always nice. Yeah, about 197 leading into the round. I've gone pretty hard on this current double, um, trading in a mixture of Thunder and Hurricane players. I'm hoping for no last-minute COVID drama, considering they play each other later. Um, I guess with five trades now, people will always have a handful in the double game round. Um, Hurricanes, I've got you know the usual crew that most people have got, I suppose, McDermott, Short, Rogers, and Meredith. Um, Meredith actually looped with a bit of injury uncertainty, but he got through four overs in the first game and hopefully gets through some more this afternoon. Thunder, Sam's VC, so, you know, I'm very happy with his innings there. Hales, Jilks, Husnain and Sanger Tanvir. I guess my kind of anti-pod this week was Jason Sanger. I just thought he's a bit pricey. He was fairly quiet first game, so in the second game, if he's quiet too, um, that'll be pretty good. Um, you can't have everything in the whole round. I had Andrew Ty, who didn't score much at all. 
should have gone siddle in hindsight, but we're all geniuses in hindsight. <laughs> but I think most things have been pretty good this round. Uh, most things have been pretty good this round considering. So I'll take it and I'm happy to chat some super catch today with you boys. Good stuff, mate. Very excited. Big show ahead. Looking forward to it. The mighty Kuma Stallions are into 230th overall. So had a couple of good rounds. Round ranks of 129th and 430th the last two rounds. Uh, so back there and roughly in the hunt, but might need a few pods to, to get into the, the money end of things. Uh, on today's show, we're going to look at the revised Supercoach Big Bash fixtures because uh, we've obviously seen postponed games. They've all been announced bar one Sixers v Heat game. So we'll talk briefly about that revised strategy, uh, revised draw in a second. We're going to look at a strategy on how to approach the, the new look draw. Uh, the big topic of the day is going to be how to differentiate sides. We know that we've now got five trades per week. There's a lot of teams from the double game week, so I'm finding it very hard to see how we differentiate sides. We're going to be looking into that. Uh, we'll have a look at a, a couple of the clubs on the double game week and the targets from those sides, finishing off with a few trades and skippers for the week. Boys, we'll quickly touch on, it's all over the website, and, and we've got the, the updated graph of the fixtures coming up to finish the season all over the website. But a very brief rundown of the revised draw. This podcast is obviously coming around 11 and 12. Round 11, the Melbourne Stars are on the double with the Renegades. The Scorchers, who were originally on the bye that week, won't be on the bye. They play games. So there's no teams on the bye for the remainder of the season. I mean, at this stage, we'll, we'll see what happens COVID-wise, but barring any more changes. Round 12, the Stars are on the double again. So they're going to be absolute hot property, along with the Strikers, who I know are still probably lingering around a lot of clubs, uh, squad, should I say, your Matty Shorts, your Siddles, et cetera, et cetera. Round 13, at the moment, is full of single-game weeks. However, Monitor, there is a Sixers versus Heat game that is yet to be rescheduled. Uh, the way the, the draw lines up and the states that those clubs are in, it may be a little bit tough to get that game in, uh, but there's every chance they do drop it at the end of the Big Bash regular season in round 13. So we could see the season heat on a double there, uh, but again, we're just going to have to see how that one plays out in time. Boys, what I want to know is your trade strategy for these upcoming weeks. Fish, you in particular, um, we're all in the hunt for the top gong, you very much more so than myself and Tomo. Uh, how are you attacking the final rounds? Because do you play conservatively? Do you just rack up all these double game week players? Um, do you throw the kitchen sink at it and go for a few pods, a few anti-pod plays to try and get that top spot? Um, I mean, we can talk about this in depth, but start with you, Fish. What are your plans, mate, and what do you make of you know the five trades per week? Yeah, I, I think we can pretty well throw long-term planning out the window. I, I think now it's all about the short term and I really don't see much need to look further ahead than a round or two, maybe with the sixes and heat having a double potentially up their sleeve for round 13. That could be an opportunity given that the sixes are a very good side and, and the heat have quite a few super coach options. But I think whilst... I have seen a lot of similar teams in the, the leagues that I'm in. There is still a lot of variance in BBL Supercoach. So you got to factor in things like the weather. Obviously, there's still people missing games through COVID. Uh, so I'm, I'm less inclined to throw the kitchen sink at an antipod or a pod unless it's a player that I actually like or, or think is worth anti-potting or, or potting. Um, so not a whole lot's going to change for me. I, I think the other thing with BBL Supercoach is 
getting that team structure right, I think at this point in the season, it's a great opportunity to be using the emergency loop as well as the vice-captaincy loop. Definitely. Especially in the batsman position with guys with a high upside. And I was able to utilise that for Alex Howells this round just gone. And batsmen in particular, we know that they can they can go low or they can they can smash out a century and, and go massive. So I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm making use of that emergency loop and, and putting some high upside guys in there because to me that's a good balance of risk and rewards. Uh, outside of that, yeah, I, I think I'm just going to pick the players who, who I like. Um, if there's a pod or two who I like, then I'll, I'll do it. Antipod-wise, I haven't seen that many, which I think are worth antipoding, but I think batsmen are usually the way to go for that because we, because of the potential for a, a low score and, and less opportunity to score points uh, if they're out early. So, yeah, still, still pretty conservative from me, but I'll jump on an opportunity if one arises. For example, I, and Tomo may have more to say on this, the year that he won, I know he, he went for a couple of single game weekers when the weather was looking a bit questionable and did that instead of some double game weekers. I, I think that's probably the, the other way to differentiate is to look more at the single game week teams and not get too caught up in the double game weeks. So... There are a couple of things that I've got floating around in my head at the moment, and I guess we've just got to, yeah, take it day by day at this point because the schedule seems to change that often anyway. Yeah, nicely said, mate. It's it's a very interesting period of the season that we're coming into because with five trades available, getting the squads we want is going to be pretty easy. I think we all by this point have a butt-ton of money. There's a lot of sort of fallen guns that we'll be getting double game weeks. So I don't think financials are going to be an issue for too many Supercoach squads. Um, Tomo, what are your thoughts on this, mate? Are you going to be looking at the pod route or are you going to be playing it a little bit more conservatively as you chase that sort of top 100, top 10 uh, sort of ranks going into the final few rounds? What's your approach to it all and what are your thoughts? Yeah, sure thing, mate. Look, I'm generally someone that's pretty conservative, so I don't do something too outrageous with pods and antipods. Um, look, five trades, it'll be a little bit different, but I don't know if it'll be a whole lot different to having three trades. I know this round and moving forward, uh, with any sort of trade, you're looking to trade in those that are on a double, those that have an upcoming double, or just someone whose form is sublime or has a sublime sort of matchup particularly if their opposition is decimated with COVID protocols, because I'm sure that's going to be here to stay for the next or the end part of the tournament. Yeah, as I said, generally I'm someone who favours working around the doubles, making sure always you bring in someone that's decent and not just bringing in someone who's on a double. Um, So, for example, they might prove me wrong in their second game today, but people like Hanscom and Jewel haven't really shown a lot this tournament or they don't really have that significant super coach scoring history. So even when you're bringing in players, you want to make sure you're bringing them in for a reason, not just because they're on a double. Look, this week with five trades, I used all mine up, I think, on the first day, even though there was two games on the first day. I don't really want to be doing that all the time because I think I would like to hold one or two trades just because 
different stuff with COVID, changing schedules, weather, stuff always pops up. Um, I'm trying to think a couple of rounds ago, I think when that, I think it might have been round nine or round about that sort of time when games were being cancelled and Adelaide were on the double. I'd saved a trade and it looked like I had to take Nielsen's score. I think it was actually zero. But because he was on my bench and I had a trade to spare, uh, there was a bit of weather around that I think I was able maybe to get rid of Cooper Conley, I think, so that loop player that lots of people have been using. I was able to uh, get him and trade him for Jilks. And Jilks against the Scorchers got 32 at a decent strike rate. So because I had that trade in hand, I was able to trade someone who scored okay, but also had an upcoming double. So with those five trades, it's really tempting to use them all up early, but I certainly think there's got to be a bit of caution there, um, just the unexpected. Yeah, River Point you touched on there, mate, and then I agree on a few a few different angles. If you can save that, I mean, I didn't use five trades this round. I only used four. I was happy with my squad. I was looking ahead. Like I had guys like uh, Matty Short and Peter Siddle with massively low break even in my side who have a double coming up. Break even to this point with all the money we've got, it's becoming pretty irrelevant. However, you know, with them coming up, the guys I wanted coming back into my team anyway. But if you can wait to use that fifth trade and just hold off to you know the second or third day of the round, it allows you to do things like you've just mentioned, mate, with your AE loop. If you have a late player who's your AE on your bench uh, that goes big, you might be able to trade out an active player in your team to activate that. Um, with COVID issues, weather coming through, it just gives us so much more flexibility. So I love the idea of saving at least one of those trades for the back end of the round and acting accordingly. Accordingly, there, fish. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I think I've been caught out with that a few times. I I loaded up on strikers a couple of rounds ago and then that game got caught off and I was caught two players short. So mm. as Tom said, that's a great way to make up 50 to 100 points potentially through a couple of players, um, potentially more. I, I, Tom, so correct me if I'm wrong, but the year that you won, I'm, I'm pretty sure you, it was someone like Matty Wade in the final round, so you opted for as a bit of a, a pod over some double game week players who had some some weather clouds hanging around. Um, what, if that's correct, what what kind of led you to that decision, and do you see any similar opportunities this season? Yeah, look, Fish, there was, um, it's a bit old history now, but I suppose it's still relevant these days. Uh, there was run round, I think it was towards the middle and between the middle and back end, the Sixers had a rain-affected game and they were on the double and lots of people were bringing them in. But just the forecast looked so bad that I got rid of lots of my Sixers and one of the games was abandoned and not much play. And the other one, they played quite a bit, but I think they got smashed and it might have been by the Thunder from memory. Um, so, and I suppose also this year, there's been a few times where weather's been scheduled to be bad, but they've actually got quite a bit of play on. But I do think there is, you always want to try and be flexible and watch the weather. But if the forecast is particularly bad and there doesn't look like there's going to be much action, um, even if a team's on a double, um, if the weather's poor enough, there's always the chance to look ahead or look elsewhere with your particular trades. Wade and Finch, I can't remember exactly. I think Wade and Finch might have both been on a double, but I BC'd them when others would have probably gone other options. Like I'm sure 
uh, yeah, a couple of years ago, Darcy Shaw would have been at his peak and players would have been going there. Um, so I guess in terms of looking for those that are kind of in the hunt looking to be there, especially with your VC, that's a bit of a free swing. Um, if you've got an opening batsman, if you've got a matchup that you reckon looks pretty juicy and you've got a player in form, you know, I think you can be a bit aggressive with that VC and really have a go at trying to make um, a big, big score out of a round. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I think the VC is one where often we probably don't use all the available resources we have. As you said, you can use it as a real upside play and then look to bank some points with your C by the sounds of it. So, Tomo, just to sort of recap that because it's a very interesting thought, uh, to put you under the spotlight a little bit on the spot, you know, say you're sitting top 10 now, around about where Fish is sitting, although you're not that far behind that situation yourself anyway. To make up spots, is that what you're looking at in terms of your point of difference at this time of season? Like your VC option where you go against the grain. This week, for example, it might have been going in Alex Hales, who would have been quite lowly um, selected as a vice captain. Uh, is that the area along with, you touched on it before, but targeting those potential wet weather games uh, and just trying to avoid them and maybe hope that a bit of luck falls your way in those games, get wiped out or shortened sort of 10 overs? Yeah, for sure. I guess I'm someone, especially in terms of my tradings, I don't want to be too drastic or too outrageous. and I just don't want to be different for different sake. So I'll probably be trading in a lot of the players that I thought um, could score big, whether they're on a the single game or double game. I guess, yeah, where your difference could be is that VC option where if they don't do any good, you've probably got a caption option up your sleeve that is very decent and going to give you a reasonable score. So I'm not someone that likes to be bold and outrageous and make massive plays and massive trades, but I think if there's one option. And look, looking back in hindsight, I don't know if Wade and Finch were outrageous options, but I'm sure in terms of Hurricanes and Renegades, it would have been maybe slightly more popular options that people went down that path. So I wouldn't be, with your trade-ins, I wouldn't be looking for miracles and being um, completely different to everyone else. But maybe with your loops, that's your chance to be a bit different because you've got that safety of fallback options. Mm, yeah. I mean, all, all I'm hearing there is calculated risk. So it's, as you said, it don't, you don't have to be praying for miracles and outlandish uh, options to get some bloke coming, batting at six and not bowling and just hoping he comes out at 1% ownership and goes bonkers. Um, you mentioned earlier that there are enough opportunities in Supergate BBL, even with similar sides and five trades at our disposal and all these double game weeks, to get a point of difference around, you know, we get three cracks at the AE loop. Um, I mean, basically each week between a keeper, a bowler, a batsman, uh, you mentioned vice captains. It's all strategic sort of, you know, it's quite critical thinking, um, but there are opportunities to do it without going for that outlandish play. Thoughts, Tomo? Yeah, for sure, mate. A calculator risk is a great way to put it. Um, and I agree with five trades compared to three. There will be a degree of sameness over sides and big guns. For example, you know, almost everyone will either have or get Kane Richardson by the time the Renegades double comes around. But I think the fact that there are two teams on the double each round means that with, there's so many guns around, but you can't fit all the guns in. So there could be one or two uh, bigger name or bigger scorer players that are different between each side. And if you can nail who that is, that could be a good way of getting up in your rankings as well. 
Yeah, love it, boys. Good chat there. Guys, if you like a punch, check out topsport.com.au, home of the best same game multi in the business where the odds actually add up. Go and try it out yourself. Uh, they're exceptional, particularly when it comes to the NRL and AFL season with those. Uh, really, really good odds there. Uh, if you are linking up, use the code SC Playbook, 18 plus only, and gamble responsibly. Go and check it out. Fellas, we touched on the idea of pods and antipods in that most recent topic. Let's drop a few names. Uh, I'll start with you, Fish. Pod for this round or all the upcoming rounds uh, and potential antipod play. Yeah, sure. So I'll uh, start with the antipod, which is the same as when I was last on the podcast. I think I may antipod Adam Zampa, which is probably just due to how my squad's set up and having enough bowlers. But uh, I can see a lot of people getting on Zampa, which depending how he goes this afternoon or this evening uh, could be still very well worth it, but he's, I think he's still averaging something like 20 this season. So, yes, there's going to be a change in roles for him. He, he's legitimately uh, the, the Australian T20 spinner and, and had some great form in the World Cup, but for whatever reason, that hasn't translated to Big Bash yet. Um, one of those reasons could be role, uh, but I'm probably prepared to take that risk. Uh, in terms of Pods. Uh, I I'm not sure if he'll still be a pod next round, but Nick Maddinson rolling the arm over. I know you got him at one point, Timmy, and then traded him out before his decent score. But thanks for that, mate. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I think I, I'm just a sucker for an all rounder. Uh, so yeah, he's one who's who's caught my eye. Very nice. This round. Yeah, uh, Tomo, what have you come up with? Yeah, antipod was hard because I was looking through the ownership levels this morning and there wasn't one player from any of the uh, three on the upcoming doubles that really stood out to me and said, oh, there's a bit of something there. Like all the players from the Strikers, the Renegades and Stars that are highly owned, I was like, I can see where they're highly owned and I kind of want them in my side over the next couple of weeks. But if I had to pick as a whole, I guess there still is the question mark over the Stars team, their players, their lineups as a whole over the next coming double games. Um, four matches over two rounds sounds pretty good and sounds really, really brilliant, actually, for point scoring potential. But I guess there's just that question mark in terms of how the players return after COVID protocols, what um, sort of form they'll be in, you know, being unwell, missing training and games, I don't think you'd come back at your best. So I guess even though they've got the four matches and you certainly want some Stars players in, maybe not going too hard. But I'm also, I know any um, NBA fans listening will know that um, Giannis um, came back from his COVID protocols and was absolutely blitzing it in the NBA. So it's hard. Uh, maybe next year, Timmy, we can get, if um, COVID's still around, we can get some sort of medical expert that enjoys Supercoach that can give us some opinions and some thoughts as well. Um, so you can get Giannis, look, it's mate. It's a great unknown about that. Yeah, we'll have to see what's, um, just what sort of effect COVID can have coming back for athletes performing at their best. Uh, moving on to pod. Yeah, it's a hard one. I looked at some of the players again from the upcoming double sides and there was no one that really stood out. So I've gone to a um, single game player. 
Um, I mentioned him in one of my articles a few ago, and he was really, really solid for the Sixers last night, is Benny Dorcious. Um, he's a quality operator. Sixes are down in bowling stocks, so he has more responsibility and a greater role at the moment. I uh, also, just as a side note, and this doesn't help his scoring potential supercoaches all, but uh, when I crossed paths with him last year when the Sixers were in the Gold Coast hub and said hello, and I was on my way out of breakfast and he was on his way into breakfast, he said hello back. So um, that's <laughs> a tick for me. He didn't ignore me. He didn't ignore me, so I'll get around him. And... That's my serious one. I guess I don't know how serious this is or not, um, but I've held Maxi all throughout um, the time he's been missing. Um, he was expensive to hold, but that back bowl flexibility and the ability to loop has come in handy, especially when wanting to take Sam's um, score. I don't know. He's still got high ownership, but I reckon there's a lot of, as you would say, zombie teams. I think most people that have a decent enough ranking um, would have traded him out either after a pretty disappointing double or the COVID diagnosis. Look, I don't know exactly when he's going to be back and I wouldn't recommend trading him in, but I just think, and perhaps this is just the roll of the dice, but if he returned mid-round mm. and I had him and he went absolutely bonkers because he could, um, for anyone that's been able to hold him, um, you would not, again, as I said, I would not trade him in, but if you manage to hold him and he comes in mid-round and goes bonkers, that kind of may be a pod play. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, even speaking next round, we've got, what, the Stars play game one. If it was to say miss that, which is, I mean, every chance, that, I mean, that game starts tomorrow. Uh, just to note, an early start for round 11, 10 past two uh, that first game. So don't miss the buzzer on that one. But then the Stars playing the last game down. So a lot of people will avoid him. If he comes out for the second game and goes nuts, people are going to want him for that round 12 double anyway. So I don't mind you shout there. Just quickly, Tomo, you've thrown Dwarshus as your pod about four weeks in a row, I reckon, and he's gone nuts just about every time. Are you going to actually man up, show some nads and actually get him into your team? No, I told you I'm very conservative. Doubles <laughs> and all those sort of things. I'm a conservative player, so I can recommend him to others, but I'm too conservative to bring him into my side. He's looking really, really good. Mate, I think it's a massive play there. Uh, just one for me on the antipod, and I think there's a serious opportunity here, whether or not I show some nads and do it myself, we'll see. But just going against Aaron Finch, obviously the Renegades double there, top of the order. He's been in the runs a little bit. He's looking half all right, but at the same time, still very unconvincing. Uh, yes, he could hurt you, but... Two single-digit scores when, you know, I would imagine 70-odd, 75% of active Supercoach BBL players will have him. Uh, huge opportunity there. Uh, and people may even have a sneaky VC on him as well. So just a, a little bit of a chance there. Actually, it won't be a VC because the Stars, next round the Stars play game one, so they'll be your VCs, and then you'll be looking to skip up from the Renegades. Boys, let's have a quick look at the double game week teams. Uh, we don't need to spend too much time on them, but looking at a few certain players. So as I mentioned, Stars and Renegades in the round 11 double. The following week, it's the Stars and the Strikers on the double. If you can only have, say, let's say two players from each of those teams, who would they be? Would you be looking at getting in? And I suppose on the same mould while we're talking about those teams, is there anyone, any pods in those that you're pretty tempted to go for or anti-pod at the same time? Uh, for me, it was Aaron Finch. Fish, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think you, you're talking me into anti-podding some of the, the Gades batsmen. I just, 
looking, I mean, they, they got bowled out for 80 last game. And looking ahead to the next round, they, they played the Sixers. I know the Sixers have had a few out of their side, but their bowling attack still looks pretty good, including the likes of, of Dwarshus, as you were just talking about. Um, so I, I think um, Finch and John Marsh will probably both be pretty popular, and, and I'm tempted to look at any pod on one or both of those now. Uh, I suppose the thing with Sean Marsh is... He historically has been able to anchor the innings, so he'll he'll play that sort of role where he'll just get himself in and then launch at the end, which tends to lead to a little bit more consistency. So he could be onto something with Finch, although he's looked pretty good this time and at times. And then in the other game, they play the Melbourne Stars, who'll be back to full strength as well. So I'm not sure how much success they're going to see next round. Um, it's going to be hard to go past Kane Richardson, but if I'll also be watching the, the toss of that first game tomorrow night, and if the Gays are batting first, there is a chance the Gays will get bowled out cheaply again, and and he mm. may not have much to defend. Uh, so, whilst th- that would make me less inclined to captain him if that happens, so I'm definitely going to put some thought into that. And I might even look at a pod captain in Daniel Sams who batting at four and we saw what he did. Uh, I mean, to me, he's almost the equivalent of a, a double game week player um, because he's, he's batting at four in great form with the bat and then he's got that key role with the, the ball as well. So I'll take a close look at that in terms of pods. Uh, my trade targets from the gauge, as I said, I'm pretty keen on Matto. Um, I think it's going to be hard to leave Richo out, so they're probably two that, that I'll look at from them. Uh, I think Stoinis is incredible value, even though we're not really looking too short on cash at this point in time. So I think if anyone doesn't own Harris Rolf coming in the next round, he's looking pretty essential, just given he bowls at the at the death or at the key times for the, the Stars. And are we doing strikers now, Timmy? Or Yeah, fire away, mate. Yeah, yep. So, I mean, Matt Short, obvious one. Uh, I probably, I, I, at the moment, I prefer Siddle to Rashid Khan, uh, even though I'll probably own both of them. But Siddle, just in that last game, really did seem to find his range with those Yorkers. Um, it's funny, isn't it? Like, at the start of the tournament, it, it looked like he didn't have that much in his bag of tricks, but... I think sometimes in T20 cricket, it's it's how bowlers bounce back from performances like that, and uh, boy, did he bounce back. So uh, as as long as he continues that vein of form, uh, he's he's looking essential to me, Sids. Yeah, he is. Ducks, if you are a little bit short on the money front as well, uh, really, really low break even for him, really low break even for short as well there. Um, Tomo, I'll get your thoughts, mate, on, on those three sides, the players you're targeting, and then I, I might throw a few random players at you and get your thoughts on those two. Yeah, no dramas. Um, well, Melbourne Stars on the double-double. Uh, Melbourne Stars on the double is a phrase that we've said a lot in the podcast, written our articles a lot this year. Um, look, I agree with Fish. Harris Ralph looks like the bowler to me to have. Bowls Express. And he actively looks for wickets. He's not really looking to minimise the runs. He's a genuine wicket hunter. So absolutely agree. He's probably the number one bowling target. 
batting target I found difficult for the Stars. Um, I think if Maxi comes back, even though he was disappointing last double game round, I think it's madness to go without him when he's back. Um, Joe Clark has been very reasonable of late. I guess if you're looking to be a bit different, you could, if there was the chance to put a VC on him, that could be all right. Um, but I guess looking at the stats, the number one averaging player for the Stars is Hilton Cartwright at over 50, over 55 points, I think, per match. I've never selected him before in Supercoach, but look, he might be their best and most consistent batsman. And just the way he's performing, especially around power surge time, is really good. So he could almost be their best batting option. I found it hard to pick batters at the Stars. As Fish alluded to, the Renegades, the jury's um, still out on them. You know, a couple of good wins, but against teams that were severely weakened. And then when we saw them back against the Thunder side, they were really disappointing. Um, we've seen a few times over the last couple of years, um, they can fall in a heap and get beaten by a lot, especially if they're batting second and they have an early collapse and have to go after a big total. They can just start swinging and going after the bash boost points and things like that. Um, it's interesting, um, Fish said along the lines of that if they're batting first and they get dismissed for a small total, then Richardson is not as good as captain. But I would kind of like it if the Renegades were batting first. Um, I think they'd be more likely to see out their overs and get a score compared if they were maybe batting second. Um, something to monitor there, I suppose. Um, yeah, batting-wise, it's got to be Finch or Marsh. They're quality players. I guess you're just hoping that, you know, if you bring in one or you bring in both, you just want one quality innings over the double. Um, they're a decent price to both of them. They're not too much to bring in, which is always helpful. Um, you know, looking at Sanger or McDermott before they double recently, they really are a big price to pay, but these Renegades batsmen are a lot cheaper. If I had to pick one, I probably would say Marsh. Look, I really like the way he's playing since he returned, and it was an unlucky run out last time that dismissed him rather than an extravagant sort of shot. Um, yeah, looks toss a coin, but probably Marsh just. Richardson, <coughs> he's the most consistent bowler for them. Um, I know some boys from the Playbook crew have gone a round or two early on him, which looks a good move. I don't have him in yet, but he'll be my first trade-in next game. He's really, really consistent. He's taken three wickets, two wickets, and two wickets in his most recent. And I guess if the Renegades do collapse, he's a chance to get a few points batting, probably not passing the 20 mark, but maybe a handful of points, which is always good. Um, someone will have to check last time, but I think last time they had a double last year. Richardson just scored fairly. I don't think it was amazing. It was just fair, but he looks the obvious one from the bowling perspective. Uh, yeah, look, he's the one I can recommend with most confidence. I'm not really confident with many of the other Renegades bowlers. Strikers, yeah, it has to be short, batting and bowling. Um, I don't mind Renshaw, but I think he's tested positive for COVID this morning. So it's Renshaw, it's Renshaw by a long, long wave in terms of the batsmen. Um, Siddle and Rashid Khan, look, yeah, as Fish said, you probably need to have both. Again, toss of the coin. Because um, Fish said Siddle, I'll just go Rashid to be different, but you probably need to have both in there. Yeah. Um, just a quick one that's come to mind, boys. We've probably all got a couple of stars in our team as it stands anyway. As we said, double game weeks coming up, two in a row. Fish, can you have too many stars in your team ahead of the next two weeks? 
Yeah, I, I don't. You can because you, you could pick players who just don't have the, the role or the, the super coach pedigree to score points. But I think this is also the first time we've ever seen back to back double game weeks in BBL super coach. So it's potentially a huge opportunity. And the, the aggregate score that they're going to get over those two rounds uh, is a great way to make up ground. So I would definitely favour Stars over Renegades for this coming around. It seems like an obvious statement, but sometimes we can get a bit cute with, with Supercoach and I think there's an opportunity here not to be missed. So, yeah, ha- having a look at a few of those Gage players makes sense, but I, I'd certainly be... Still trying to get every star who I think is capable of, of scoring well. And that might mean leaving out a few more gates and then looking to the, the strikers and the sixes and heat if they get the double uh, for round 13. So, no, I, 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 I'd probably lean more towards getting more stars, Timmy. Tomo? Yeah, um... Look, there is such thing as too much stars, but I absolutely agree that, you know, they've got two, lots of two games and, you know, you have to get them. But if a game or two got pulled out through weather or COVID protocol, then absolutely you can have too many. But, you know, in terms of trades, they've got to be where most of your trades are going. And um, I agree with Fish in terms of treading carefully with the Renegades. I think leading into the current round, they've got something like four active players in the top 60 players in terms of best averages. And I think Finch just squeezed in there and he was at about position 59. So certainly you have to tread carefully because um, if they didn't play that well and got beaten by a long way, when you're not playing well, it's hard to score super coach points. Mm. Fish? Yeah, I, I, and just to add to that, the Stars in their full games play the Scorchers in Geelong, uh, the Renegades at Marvel, and then the next round they play the Strikers at Adelaide Oval and then the Brisbane Heat at the MCG. So to me that looks like a pretty good draw. Um, bar the Scorchers, all those three of those four teams are conceding a fair bit in, in super coach points. Um, can't comment too much on the pitch conditions, but all those grounds look um, pretty solid to me as well uh, in terms of how they'll score. So, yeah, and, and the, uh, as an alternative, the Renegades play the Sixers first after all, so a pretty difficult side. Fish. Tomo spoke pretty highly of Hilton Cartwright, averaging 55.5 this season, so for obvious reasons. I'm seeing a bit of an antipod opportunity with him because I gather with the setup that the Stars have coming that he's going to be very popular. He's getting runs because the Stars' top order are failing, but his role is still not very good. I mean, he's batting at number five. Glenn Maxwell, like they're getting pretty well all their players back, I think maybe not for today's game, but for the start of the double. Glenn Maxwell, give or take, might be the second game of the round 11 double. Marcus Stoinis hasn't looked like getting a run, but surely something's coming there. Batting at five, who's batting at six when Dre Rush was there. So he's getting ample opportunity due to a failing top order, but he's not bowling. Um, is there an antipod opportunity there, or are you with Tomo thinking he's just seen them too well despite the limited opportunity? Yeah, I'll, I'll probably be with you, Timmy. I'd say I'll end up antipodding him just because of all the players they've got coming back. 
So uh, he, he has looked great this tournament. So I couldn't certainly couldn't knock anyone getting him in if they just like how he's how he's playing. Um, and he, he always seems to get his spate of catches in the outfield too, which just helps his helps his score a bit. Uh, he's taken just looking at his stats. He's taken six catches across six matches this season. So. Uh, on average, he's getting one catch a game, which is an additional 10 points, which is pretty handy. Um, obviously, there's still variance in how many opportunities he'll get for outfield catches, but you think he'll rack them up across the four games. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I, I think I'm just more interested in others, to be honest. What about Tomo Sammy Harper? Uh, probably not an exciting super coach player as such averaging a tick over 42 this season does have a good role with the renegades opening the stick there uh, a guy that i don't anticipate will be too heavily owned uh, coming into the double game week do you see him as a bit of a pot opportunity or is that his chances yeah not for me look he just plays a lot of rash shots can get out very cheaply when I pulled that trade um, to get rid of Connolly to avoid Nielsen's score, I had the chance to either pick up Harper or Jilks. And I think Harper may have scored a duck. But also, he was his price would have surely dropped by now. I don't know. You might be able to tell me what his current price is now. But he was 150-something, and Jilks was 97 or at least under 100. And to me... Jilks was in much better form compared to Harper. Look, I don't know if he will keep opening because they're not going that flash as a team. They've got Finch and Marsh who can open. And I'm not a selector, but Mackenzie Harvey did a pretty good job opening yeah. for them to start the tournament. I'd be surprised if he doesn't move up this soon because like, he did a really, really good job and they've moved him, and Harper's had a few chances and hasn't set the world on fire. And Harper, to me, has been around the BBL for a few um, years, so I wouldn't be trading him in. But now I've said that on a podcast, he's probably guaranteed to score some big scores. But, yeah, I can't recommend him at this stage. Yeah, the jinx is on there, mate. Uh, he's 144k, by the way. So, again, money probably not too much of an issue, but he's still on that expensive side of things, isn't he? Uh, he will drop once, once lockout ends, though, of course. Uh, Fish, the last one I'll throw at you as an anti-pod opportunity. I know we've spoken a lot about it on this episode, but I think it's important because of this whole just trying to differentiate teams uh, from others and get a few unique players or unique plays in there. Uh, is Sean Marsh going against him? I mean, I, I've just mentioned that I'm pretty keen to antipod Aaron Finch. In the same regard, Shawnee Marsh, who I actually brought in last round, or this got him in this round early, um, had him on my bench, so didn't have to take his score, uh, but I wanted him. He was going to make coin, and I knew I'd want him for this upcoming round. Mate, he's had a bit of a stint out of the game uh, through injury, not long, but a bit of a stint. Um, came back in form, looking the goods, but... Are you tempted or, or would you consider anti-potting him in the same vein that you may Aaron Finch? Yeah, I would. I would probably anti-pod Finch first. But, yeah, Marsh could be an anti-pod opportunity just on the basis of, of the Renegades and, and how their form's been and having some <clears throat> at least one difficult match coming up this round. So I think it depends who you have in your team from the stars and who else you can get in. Um, for me, I'm already pretty loaded with stars, so I reckon there's a fair chance I'll end up getting Marsh in. But, 
uh, I can I can definitely see a case for just leaving him out, um, given the opportunities that exist to get the back-to-back doubles with the Stars. Yeah. Boys, we'll jump onto our trades and skippers. We, we've kind of given our trade thoughts, and when there's so much going on in such a quick amount of time, it's a bit hard to nail them down. So feel free to drop them or reiterate them if you'd like. But what I'm probably more interested in is your skippers for round 11 and round 12. Round 11 sees the Stars play early. So they should be a vice-captain option. The Renegades, the second game, so their captain should be coming from them. Uh, round 12, strikers play, they're on the double, they're the early game, so they should be your VC. And then your stars, your captain. Uh, I've been yeah, meaning to mention this, but Nathan Coulton-Nile also under a bit of an injured crowd with, I think it's his hamstring, uh, nothing new for Colts. Um, so just tread a little bit cautiously when considering him. I've wanted to be my team all season, but... The bloke just finds a way to avoid your super coach team for all sorts of reasons. Granted, this time he did have COVID, so we'll let him off the hook this week. Um, but take a bit of a look there. Tom, I'll start with you, mate. Your skippers for the next couple of rounds. Yeah, sure thing. So round 11 stars the VC opportunity. Um, I think Ralph is probably the safest play in terms of picking up a couple of wickets. But because it's a VC opportunity, look, you could be a bit aggressive. You might go Clark, you might go Zampa. Cartwright, um, even Stoinis. If Stoinis is back, because surely the big Stoin is due and he might really want to show a few people um, what he's really capable of and could put in a massive score. So if you're feeling really game, it could be a Stoin. Um, your captain for the Renegades, it would, the most comfortable pick by a long, long way is Kane Richardson for me. Um, Marsh and Finch for those looking to be different, but the safe captain pick is Kane Richardson. So if my VC didn't score well, I'd be very, very surprised I didn't have Richo as captain. Round 12, strikers up first. Um, depending on lineups, matchup, who's batting and bowling first, it, it really has to be either Siddle, Khan or Short for me. And then the captain, if Maxi's back, I'm really tempted to put it on Maxi. I don't know how many people will be put off because he was disappointing in the last Melbourne double. But if you said Maxi's got a run of matches, You'd think at some stage he's going to go big and go bananas. He's missed out on a couple, but look, a big score is always capable. So I'd be surprised if I didn't captain Maxi. Tell you what, I like that idea of big Stoin VC in round 11. Heaps will stay off because, I mean, due to the form he's been in in the Big Bash this season, but man, we know he can go high. Surely he's due to roll the arm over as well. It was a chance earlier on, but they were happy to hold him back, didn't really need him. Um, but especially big Dre Russ gone now, so... Oh, if Stoin could roll the arm over for a couple of overs, it'd be huge. The issue there is, as you said, mate, there's not a lot of great options at the gate. So if he does flop, you might be a little bit concerned there. Hey, Fish, what have you got for us, mate? Yeah, you guys have definitely talked me into Stoin, but I am mindful that the Stars play this evening. Uh, so big watch on that game for me. And then they actually have to back up uh, tomorrow, just looking at it. So... First game of the round, um, one ten pm after they play uh, at 6 o'clock tonight. So pretty short turnaround. A uh, crazy but, turnaround. Yeah, yeah. So uh, nonetheless, I'll, I'll watch that game and uh, see how Stoinis looks. Um, I guess if he, if he goes off tonight, it probably will tempt a lot of people for tomorrow, but uh, we'll, we'll wait and... Wait and see, but yeah, I think he's definitely a, a decent pick. I'm probably leaning against Ralph at the moment, just I probably would like someone with a little bit more upside, um, even though 
yeah, Ralph could come out and, and grab a bag full. Um, someone who with the, the bat uh, as well would be helpful and Stone fits that, that category. Uh, the gades, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll probably wait and see what happens with the toss against the Sixers. And if they bowl first, uh, I'll lock Richo in. Uh, if not, I'll be thinking closely about throwing the C on Dan Sams for the Thunders game against the, the Hurricanes. And then round 12, uh, yeah, so Adelaide played first up. Yeah, Matt Short did the, the job for me last round, so going to be hard to go past him, especially while he's in that role bowling four overs. But watch and see next round as to whether he still has that role. And then from the stars, yeah, I don't know. Again, I'll probably have to see where I'm positioned. That that could be the pod opportunity to look for. And again, Stone is probably on, on the radar there as well. Uh, I think when Glenn Maxwell comes out of quarantine, I'm expecting him to be chomping at the bit to, to get back out on the, the cricket field. Um, he just seems that personality. So I, I reckon he could, could go big at any stage too. And I, for that reason, I really liked Tomo's call earlier about some. Um, Potentially playing him this week, uh, even though I don't have him. But yeah, so long. Long story short, I'm tossing up a lot of options, but they're the people that, that I'm looking at. Yeah, good stuff, fish mate. Really like it. Uh, that'll wrap up the podcast for round 11 and 12. The turnarounds are that quick at the moment uh, to finish the Supercoach season. We'll be back later this week for a season recap podcast, where we'll also chat about round 13. Uh, if you thought pod was no abuse term, this podcast, well, uh, well, next round it's going to be even bigger as we chase those final few ranks. Boys, Fish, good luck on your charge to the top spot, mate, and thank you very much for jumping on. Thanks for having me, Timmy. Uh, quick shout-out to, to the team at Supercoach for everything they've done this season, um, keeping it up and running. It's, it's been a big effort, I reckon. So thanks to them and thanks to the listeners. Yeah, good call, mate. The Supercoach team have been absolutely outstanding the last few weeks. I know a few of the big boys there should have been on holidays at times and they've had to do overtime to, to get this game up and running for us and adapt to all the changes. Tomo, also, mate, thank you very much. Uh, here, here. Well said, Fish. Good luck, everyone, and look forward to chatting again soon. Cheers, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Cheers.